When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Lowell Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. And this is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we drew the map. Okay, so this one, Barris Gunn, and this this is a real name because it has lots of little squiggly bits on it and little things on top, oh, and you'll like understand that. why when I say, yeah. hello from Istanbul. Ooh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I am a fan of the Banshees since 2001, when my uncle introduced me with the Peep Show album. I had a chance to listen to Susie's solo show. I went to, to, I wanted to see and bought tickets for Dream Show, but I couldn't get my visa. Hey. Later, I got a DVD, and while watching and crying, I saw my empty seat. Hey. It was my dream, too. So he bought a ticket and couldn't get a visa to go, go in and had to watch the video with an empty seat with him that he would have been sitting there watching the show for real. Aww. How sad is that? That's very sad. Okay. So I really, really, really love Budgie's musical mind. And I think his every little act gives a spirit to each track. Uh, I wanted to ask your experiences with Leonard Ito, how you both get in touch, what you felt, what you learned, and what changed in you and your music. And please one day, if you do decide to do another show, invite me. I live in a horrible and unjust country and I have to breathe. That's what he said. Wow. Makes me realize how, how, how fortunate. We're not, too, you know, we're not too far from borders here in, uh, in Berlin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm reminded every day, really, about borders in, Ber- in Berlin. Uh, so, yeah, camp, you know. It's, it's, he's, um, uh, he's a ceramicist as well. He said he's got, he makes beautiful, beautiful pots and stuff. So very, very nice well. Nice. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, really uh, touching. I do remember, for instance, when we first played places like Prague, and people would told us the stories of how they had to meet uh, under cover of darkness, you know, to exchange albums that were uh, not really available. Uh, it was. You had to go an extra, an extra few miles to, to to follow. I think popular culture that you were interested in. It wasn't so easy. How did Leonard Atto and myself meet? Yeah, how'd you meet? I, I I'd always been a fan of the Japanese Kodo, uh, the Taiko Drum Troupe. Um, right. Uh, that back in the eighties, 
Lennon's name I would have become familiar with because he was principal drummer and chief writer with Kodo at that time. So tell me, was he the guy then at the beginning of the show that I saw? Because I saw him play several times. Would he have been the guy standing on front of that the biggest huge Odaiko, the one they have to bring in on a on a like a train? Base? I don't know if Leonard was at that because there were still I think the older guys in the troupe, if I remember right. correctly. Because the guy that did it, I think, must have been in his late forties, fifties, but. He, he was just wearing, you know, the, the loincloth thing and the headset, and he was bashing with these things that looked like they were like small tree trunks. And yep. it was very, very dramatic. And uh, my son, Gray, was about 10 at the time, and he, he was quite overawed by the whole thing, you know, because it was a very dramatic beginning to a show. I just wondered if that was Leonard. That might might have been. I don't know. I asked Leonard because I'd read about and seen a documentary on the uh, Kodo who lived on the island of Sado. Yes. And um, in the documentary, they, you saw the drummers uh, running in the snow around the periphery of the island, yeah. coming into the studios where they started to stretch the heads, you know, to tension the binds that made the head tight. And, uh, and it was like discipline. And I thought, wow, I said, Leonard. Is that what you used to do every morning? He went, no, no, no. That was the the young guys. We got the young guys to do all that. We just got up later and had breakfast. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, the myth has just been crushed. We had a, we, we, but really, it was like, um, I, I, Susie and I used to religiously, if when the One Earth tour came through, that was Kodo's annual tour, and when they had the funds to get to London, because it did change. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. It was great. So they come, they don't, regularly, the venue would be Sadler's Wells Theatre, an old right. ba ballet theatre. And Here in, in LA, they would play uh, Royce Hall in UCLA in the university. Very nice. That's it. I saw them at Royce Hall. Yeah, well, Maybe I saw them with you. Maybe well, we were when, sitting on the opposite side. When they played LA, they could bring more troop members. And so they'd had more dancers and things like Quite that. A lot of them, there. and it was women as well. That's right. That was that was be later. They they introduced women into the into the performance and children as well. Yeah. But um, it was more disciplined and more focused on that big drum and that heavy, yeah. you know, leaning back and the yeah. ripped ripped oh. muscles in the torso. And um, I was like, I was just like pretty taken by the whole thing and. I, I even tried to meet them. I, I got to meet them all backstage at the Royal Festival Hall. Wow. Um, but I still couldn't get that meeting that meant, you know, can we collaborate somehow? Right. And it was only when the think the Creatures were doing uh, a tour of America uh, towards the end. Hang on, let me get this right. It was the Banshees. It was the seven-year itch. It was the last Banshees uh, tour. And I'd contacted... Now, how did this happen? Let me. It, we had a, a support act on that tour. The last Banshee store was X Girl, and I just heard them on, I think, the internet, and just got in touch. And they said yes, and they were three piece, three piece Japanese, all female. It was like a Japanese version of like a kind of a slits without a lead singer. It was just guitar, bass, and drums. And they were pretty prog rock and pretty crazy. 
and they were actually the, uh, the the musical director, if you like, or the person who was recording it was a guy called Hoppy, Hoppy Kamiyama. And yeah. Hoppy was a producer in, in Tokyo. And his best friend was Leonard from Dakota. And so I, I Hoppy was out there dressed as a frog because he was, that's what he, he dressed as a frog to come on stage. And when he wasn't in his frog suit, I said Hoppy, because that's probably why he was called Hoppy. Yeah, that, that sounds Any like... chance, any chance of getting the yeah. word to Leonard that we might be able to like meet up and say hi. Yeah. He not only got us a, the, the meeting, but um, the meeting was in the studio and we didn't say hi. We just started playing drums. So that's uh, really, the that, that was the conversation. The conversation was the drumming and it lasted right. about 35 minutes. And then we stopped and we went, phew, that was good. Well, we didn't. We just went, phew, because there wasn't a lot of common language. And we went into the small control room and the girls were in there and Susie was in there. And we just said, we should do more. So we went back out and started making more beats. And that's where the uh, the High album came from. And that was all, all because the Banshees were on this seven-year itch tour. And it all happened on my birthday on the 21st of August, uh, would be, uh, I think, 2002. Okay, right. Well, here's, here's one that we can both answer, I think. Okay. From Michael Davis. Michael from Tulsa here. That would be, you know, the Gene Pitney song. You know, I was only 24, 24 hours. hours from Tulsa. What is um, 24 hours from Tulsa, I wonder? Well, here is probably 24 hours from Tulsa if you're driving. Okay, so Maybe. so he's in L.A. Whoever sang that song, uh, 24 Hours from Tulsa, could have been in L.A. Could have been in L.A. Or, or New York, maybe, because New York's a bit further. That would be 24 hours. But I guess if you hitchhiked, maybe it's 24 hours. I mean, If you were walking, like, like Harry Dean Stanton in Paris, Texas. If you are walking, it'd be a few days. So Michael from Tulsa asks, what was your drama education like throughout your careers on the road? Did either of you progress independently on your own, or did you have teachers and guides on the way? Wow. Thanks for the podcasts. Best wishes to the both of you. That's Michael Davis from Tulsa. Thanks, Michael. Great question. Yeah. Days on the road. Yep. I remember the first teacher I had. See, I'd, I'd never had any official drum training. Yeah. But the first teacher was a guy on a silver Premier, Premier, without popping right. the mic, Premier yeah. drum kit. English, uh, British uh, drum company. British drum, yes. And it was just that. I, I, I remember watching him and I and I'm thinking, I, I like the way he does those little fills. Yeah. And that really was the, the, the way I learned. Right. My biggest and most memorable teacher uh, was Topper Hedon. Topper Hedon? Topper Hedon, um, yes. Topper with, uh, what do you call it, with the Clash? Right. Because uh, I was fortunate to be touring. I just joined up with the Slits, who were on tour on the Sort It Out tour of Britain. And right. um, I I watched Topper every night. I watched Topper and Baker, is his Rottweiler of a drum tech, yeah. and Joe and Mick and Paul. And um, it was watching, watching Topper, like sort of like poetry in motion. A real right. drummer with 
the power and yet no no effort um, fluid everything required of the song and nothing and just nothing superfluous it was a an education i can still like dip into today because it 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 changed it changed everything for me i think for me I, I did have one drum teacher for a while, Andy McBride, and he was like this jazz drummer that used to work on the, the QE2, you know, going backwards and forwards from America, playing in the jazz band, you know. So we would we would uh, meet on Saturday mornings and uh, he would try and teach me stuff. And I bought around, uh, this, this goes in with The Clash, I bought the, the Clash album round to him and uh, said teach me how to play these things yeah and he's like okay there aren't any triplets in it but you know i can teach you i go that's fine you know it's fine you know and you can't do any of this with brushes i go that's all right i don't want to do brushes no no okay, so, so he would teach me uh from that and i i was with him for i don't know year year and a half something so i, I got to learn a few bits of things and and i think it cost me four pounds an hour that was how wow. yeah, four pounds. Yeah, yeah. Big influence was uh, like craft work. It, it was yeah. it's weird, you know, because yeah. it was a new way of hearing beat. Right, totally, totally different. New sounds. I like the sounds as yeah. well. The sounds were different, and that kind of really kind of thought, ah, hang on, that's kind of like we could use that in a dance kind of mode. Um. I was still hearing stuff that was like when we did the Lollapalooza, the first Lollapalooza tour, and um, yeah. watching uh, Perkins with Jane's Addiction. Right, right, Stephen Perkins, yeah. Just the stuff that they were playing in. He was playing in uh, now the song, the big song. Uh, uh, I think it's called Shoplifting, something like that. Yeah. You know, his house is just around the corner from me. Yeah. I think we've walked, we've walked past it of a morning, I think. Time. Yeah, I used to see him in the, in the supermarket. I bet he had like a shiny suit on. Like, I bet he looked really dapper. He he did look dapper. You know, I was there in my daggy tracks and what have you, you know, and unshaven. And and uh, he was he was pretty dapper and shiny. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how when you are touring around and you're doing festivals and all the rest of it, you know, you, you're, it, I mean, you spot drums you hear drummers you hear and you spot them yeah it, and 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 they all give you something well yeah i mean yeah it's absolutely true i mean in the early punk days all the gigs i used to go and see like the stranglers and stuff i watched jet black i loved him uh xtc i, I love terry chambers as well but i couldn't do what he did but i liked watching him yeah i feel a big affiliation and the production on that stuff was very drum led as well which which was yeah. so it means you were able to really hear those drum parts at wire as well i love uh yeah i don't know if it's wire. his real name robert go to bed robert go to bed yeah yeah that wasn't his real name you know that right well i like it <laughs> I it was like his real name for us right it we could, yeah, it well it could real. have been my real name budgie go to bed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, always at yeah. the end of the night, you know, when the bar yeah. was just closed. Right, Budgie, go to go to bed. Mine, 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 mine was like, no, stop that noise. 
And I used to leave and go to my, you know, way to the, the, somebody would actually take me. I think it was, you know, somebody called Viv, who was like supposed to be minding us. (laughs) Sounds like kindergarten, isn't it? And, uh, you know, like, so thank, thank goodness he's gone to bed. And like, I'd appear, I'd appear at the other end of the bar. Yeah. Hi, I'm back. Yeah. I'm back. Where's the party? Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear, dear. Uh, yes, all that from a drum question. It doesn't take much, does it? Really. Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer Dan Didier. Executive producer Mark Cates. Associate producer Sophie Wild. Digital marketing. Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas K. Music production, Jackknife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web, and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com. Or follow at Double Elvis on Instagram or at Double Elvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2023.